to this week in Sparkling Water. I'm your host. My name is Yuaki Maxon. That's always my name, and I'm always the host of this podcast. Episode 77, which in holy numerology is... Can mean Jesus Christ? Take two. Because take one, I started talking, and then I realized that the window was open, and I realized that when a massive 18-wheeler passed by outside. So there you go. Take two. I um I have multiple things I want to talk about today and I was going to say I woke up and I was feeling kind of bad and I was feeling kind of anxious and I realized that that's actually the last thing I'm going to talk about. But I woke up and didn't really get enough sleep. I think that's a big part of the story actually. I didn't get enough sleep. I got like my 7 hours. I need 8 and a half. And I had to go pay rent, and I wasn't sure about how to do it because I've never done this part of it before. I was, and and, and um, I was just feeling anxious because it's like I don't want two grand to get lost in the mail. So I went to the post office, and then I had this feeling. Sometimes I just get this ooky, creepy alienation feeling. I think alienation is really the word. And it's like, it's about Americans. And and the way it... Oh, I have too much stuff in my pockets. Hold on. I like to do the podcast with nothing in my pockets except a lens wipe. Because you know how I feel about lens wipes. Um, so I go to the post office and there's like one long line and two counters. Two people working the counter. So... When you get to the front of the line and one of the two people is, is done, you go up to that one. And the guy on the left, he's not saying anything. He's just quiet. He's just quietly helping all the people handling them. But the guy on the right, he's real talkative and real loud. And he's got all these crazy things that he's talking about. And, you know, I've talked about the post office a lot. And how the post office, the people who work there are kind of weird and... They seem to all be a little bit on the autistic spectrum, and they seem to all sort of have different skin conditions, like different psoriasis in remission, you know? And I say that as a man with psoriasis in remission, so I can say that. I'm definitely on the spectrum, so I can say that too. I got a little bit of wintertism, you know? Autism with the best of them. Um, can you hear my stomach grumbling? I just had a fucking massive flat iron steak, and like an enormous amount of super buttery potato puree some sunchokes and carrots roasted on the side most expensive thing in the menu sometimes you get to treat yourself so i'm at the post office and the guy on the right he's loud and he's the thing is he's being annoying which is fine that doesn't give me that doesn't make my heart drop that doesn't make me feel weird and ooky and alienated that doesn't create this like strange creeping loneliness feeling in my skin like sometimes my skin just feels lonely sometimes the loneliness is like in the hypodermis you know but he's being annoying and he's being social and he's like saying these like non sequiturs and he's just being too much and i just rolled out of bed and had like a tiny sip of red bull and i wasn't i wasn't ready to be social so it's fine that he's annoying, but the thing that happens then is that people go up to him, and one by one, all these people, 
I'm realizing that all the people are on his frequency. The first one is like a German lady and, and she, she writes the German address and they're arguing back and forth about what the, why the price is so high, but they're being very friendly about it and they're joking. And he's like, yeah, I don't know why it's so high is what he said. That's a good question. And then like on the return address, she didn't write USA. She just wrote her zip code. And he's like, do you know that you have to write the country because, because France actually copied the U.S. zip code system. So all American zip codes exist in France also. So we have to write the country because otherwise we might send it to France. And then they have all these like quips about like, you know, the French, they didn't invent anything except that sweets. If you're not talking about pastries, they didn't invent shit. And then like the next person, he's like talking about the war in Ukraine and like just being intense and non sequiturs and just like being so social. And by the fourth person, I'm like the fourth person, she walks up to him and he's like, what do you got for me today? And they're like literally friends. And she's got this, she goes in on a long rant about some weird shit that I don't give a fuck about. And the fact that everyone that he started out with someone where I'm like immediately in my head, I categorized him as just like, well, this guy is not cool at all. I wouldn't want to be around this guy for another minute. And then realizing that everyone else is like him made me feel like this incredible sense of I guess alienation is just a word. It's like that. <clears throat> it's so vague and hard to explain what alienation really feels like. It's like that book, um, The Stranger by uh, Albert Camus, Nobel Prize winning author Albert Camus. I think I've referenced this book on the pod before. It's like, it's just this book where I think he was a French guy and he, He lived in Algeria for a lot of his life, colonial Algeria. And it's just a book about being a white guy in Algeria and feeling different from everyone else. But it's super, I reread it recently, kind of, just to see, like, because I remembered it being kind of cool. And then I, you know, it's really fucking with me in this recording. There's a reflection of me right there because I got a new computer. I got a $3,000 gaming PC and it has like this fancy different color led lights in it and like a glass case and i can see my reflection in the glass case and it's really fucking with me so i'm gonna have to change the angle on that for the next episode but the book the stranger is like i reread it because i made an impression on me when i was a teenager and then i wanted to reread it now and be like did that actually was that actually a good book and um What struck me about it is how incredibly subtle it is. Because it never, there's, he never says, oh, I felt different from them. I felt alienated. The word alienation doesn't appear in the book. It's just that he just subtly feels a little bit weird and a little bit outside. And that's explained in these like practical things that happens. And then the book is famously kind of, the book is, viewed as being kind of racist because just so happens he's a white guy and all of the people he feels different than are like Algerian people of color. So it's a little bit about how these people of color are weird and he's not weird and he feels different from them and he doesn't fit in. And 
seen in a context of, you know, certain stuff that's racist, but it's also like, it's also a totally human story where the racist could have been flipped around. It just so happens that he's the French guy and he happens to be white. I don't even know that he's that white. I think he's kind of like, nah, that's probably someone else. But anyway, the French haven't invented anything except pastries and existentialism. So, yeah, I was feeling a little bit like a stranger in a strange land today. And it was just giving me this ooky feeling. And I've been having that feeling with guests a lot. And I think it's because I haven't been getting enough sleep. And it, when I don't get enough sleep, I get um avoidant. And then the avoidant thing is like, <clears throat> I'll like walk around the restaurant at work and I'll say hi to someone or me and someone at the bar will have one funny joke and then I become hyper aware of them. And then the whole rest of the, the time I'm like avoiding them and avoiding looking at them. And it's like, why though? It's like, because we had a funny joke and we had a funny moment that had hinted, that hinted at human connection and intimacy. And now I feel like this incredible pressure to live up to maintaining that connection. Like that's my problem. Whereas in reality, if you just go with the flow of it all, but I'm so like hyper social and I'm so like hyper aware of Yeah. I don't know. So I was feeling that at, a po at the post office and then I left the post office and I just, and actually at the post office, I was going to ask to like send a thing out. Like I created these money orders, then I was going to send them out. And then I um, was feeling so avoidant that I just made the money orders and then I didn't ask to send them out, even though I was at the post office, post office. So I just got back in my car, drove around the corner and went to the UPS store and sent them out from the UPS store and paid like 30 bucks for no reason, just because I was feeling hella avoidant. Just funny. It's funny. I wonder why. I wonder why. And then, uh, I was kind of going to go get food, but I went back to the house and now I'm going to say something that's honest and I feel bad about saying it and I hope these people don't hear it, but I was going to go get food, but I didn't because I rushed back home because I had three hours before I had to go to work. So I was like, I'll go home. There's no one at the house. Um, I'm going to record a podcast and I get back to the house and it's like, Javi's girlfriend is at the house and if I wasn't such an avoidant piece of shit, I would just communicate with her and be like, hey, how long are you going to be here? What you doing? What's your plan? How you doing today? And I would just check in with her and be like, can I record a podcast at some point? But instead, I just like sat there on my phone for three hours fuming. And honestly, it just made me so mad at myself immediately because as soon as I came home, as soon as I saw her car in the driveway, I just felt so furious immediately. And it was at her, but really it was at me. Because I immediately knew that I was, that this is not going to work. I'm not going to communicate with her. I'm going to be avoidant. I'm not going to record a podcast, even though I'm like, I'm, 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 I've had enough sleep. I'm doing it in the afternoon and the afternoon is good. The sun is out. I have energy. I'm doing it before work. It'll feel great too. It'll feel great too. 
oh, wow, I'm telling this story all wrong. It'll feel great to have it done. But what actually happened is I was driving home and then I just turned around. And I was like, no, I'm going to go to Meze. Meze Mediterranean Eatery. And I'm going to have this incredible shawarma they have there. So I drive all the way back. It's next door to the post office and I was all the way home. But I just like turned around and I drove all the way back. And when I'm walking over there, I'm walking on the street and I pass by Jordan and Lilith, my two line cooks who are dating. <laughs> so funny. It's my two line cooks. And somehow, sometimes when there are no tickets and they don't have to cook, they just make out. But apparently Jordan punched the wall and broke his hand. So he's not at work, but, but I love both of them. And they are really positive things in my brain. So I loved seeing them. And then suddenly I'm this guy walking around in the sun and I'm seeing people that I actually like seeing. And I say hi to them and we're like, you know, I stand there with Jordan and I give him a hug and we have this like funny banter. And suddenly I'm not an alien anymore and it's okay. And then I go into Messi and, and Jordan is like, yeah, dude, Messi is fucking awesome. The chicken shawarma they have there is incredible. So I walk in. I stand in line, I look up and I'm like, I'm getting the chicken shawarma because that's what Jordan said. And then I notice that the guy behind me is is this regular at Holbrook. And I've talked about this regular before and his one of his friends is a Swedish guy. He's the only Swedish guy in, the, in Northern California. <laughs> and it's such a... And that guy came in. Both of them came in two days ago and it's like... And I talked to the Swedish guy again, and it's like, man, it's the same thing again. It's like I become, the fact that we're both Swedish, it hints at this existence of human connection and intimacy, and it hints as, or it sets up this expectation of being able to connect. So I just can't do it. I just shut down, and I become so hyper self-aware, and I become so awkward. And I... And he like greets me and he's so much cooler than me. But it's also true that I see the same thing in him. Because really what my problem is, the avoidant thing, it's really just being a Swede. And that's the truth. I'm just being a Swede. And honestly, I'm not that much of a Swede. But I'm a little bit of a Swede still. And, you know, it's like how Ingrid used to say like, even back in America, in, back in Sweden, back in America. Oh God, I can't even talk. Because I didn't record a podcast in the afternoon. I recorded it after work and it's fucking, it's 11.40 PM now. So even back in Sweden, before I even, when I was living in China and stuff and I would go back to Sweden, Ingrid would be like, Ingrid would always tell me that I'm like the most American Swedish person in the whole world, which is an insult, but it's also a joke, but it's also true that there's something about the Americans where they're so hyper-social. And there's something in my brain that just, I just have a tumor, probably, in the part where the lobes are connected, and it makes me an American. And I'm very social. And it's why I can survive here, but I'm also a little bit Swedish, and it makes me feel alienated sometimes. So I've been interacting with this Swede a couple of times, and then I saw him today again, and he didn't acknowledge me, and I... And I was trying to acknowledge him, actually. Now that I play it back in my mind, he just walked past me, and I, I was like, oh. 
And I was like, oh, like, like I was going to be like, oh, hey, how's it going? But I just made the owl sound and he just rushed right past me, even though I know that motherfucker saw me. And then I turned around and I greeted the regular, Thaniel. Everyone always thinks his name is Nathaniel, but his name is Thaniel. And I turned around and I used his correct name on him. And I was like, Thaniel, how you doing, brother? And he was like, how are you? And we like greeted each other and it was cool. And I was like, and I was like, I'm excited for this, sh- for this food because Meze is awesome. And he's like, yeah, it's not too bad because he can't be excited about shit because he's too cool for school, dude. He's just like, this guy is too cool for everything. <laughs> but he's a good guy and he didn't, I didn't, my avoidant personality disorder didn't come out in a way where I, I, I didn't not say hi to him. I said hi to him and it was good. But I felt alienated again because he is someone who is too cool for me. And then I get to the front of the line and I realize that the person taking my order working at Meze is a cook who just started working at Holbrook. It's a new coworker that now he works in the kitchen. So now I'm using he and I don't exactly know that he is this person's pronoun because this person is maybe in their 50s and this person has a lot of necklaces and and wears makeup and and it's a little bit of a i don't exactly know which pronoun we're doing here but but the person goes by the name chris you know chris actually now that i'm saying that out loud i'm realizing chris is not that gendered of a name so we're gonna we're not gonna assume anything and we're gonna maybe have a conversation about it and it's gonna be all good but I haven't gre- I haven't actually introduced myself to this new person because I've just seen him at work once or twice, a little bit quick. And the person is totally new. And we've been staging a lot of new people, which means that they stage front of house means that you come in for like three hours and just do a little test shift so that you can see what it's like to work there. And so that management basically can see how you move around in the space and if you're going to be good but stage back of house means that you work like a full shift and you like get to prep a whole thing and it's a little bit like a one-day internship so we've been staging a lot of people and when people stage is not super necessary to like introduce yourself all big because it's like they're basically just there for a job interview i mean it's nice to say hi to people but anyway I hadn't introduced myself to this Chris person. So when I get up to the front of the line, I'm like, Hey, how's it going? And we like exchange pleasantries. And I realized that this person has actually cooked a bunch of my t- food because we have actually worked together two shifts where I ring shit in and my name is on the top of the ticket. So he actually knew sort of how to spell my name because he's now taking my order at a different restaurant. And I'm like, my name is Joachim. And he's like, how do you spell that? J-O-A? Because he like remembered it a little bit. So then I was all like, I liked his vibe a lot. And I was feeling like, that's awesome. And I'm back not feeling alienated. I'm like bookending this difficult Thaniel interaction with a Lilith Jordan interaction and a Chris interaction. And I'm back to being like, I'm a cool guy in the city walking around saying hi to people. And I know some people around town. And I like, I have an actual connection with them and I, ex- I enjoy bumping into them and it feels good. And now I'm back. I'm like not feeling shit about everything. So I was like, and I had the food and the food was awesome, but I leave that place and I was feeling cautiously good about the question. Am I, am I an alien or not? 
Am I just a cancerous cell? Am I just like some crazy American lady married a Swede and it's really just the cell duplicating cancerously, bringing in more fucked up people, ruining everything? Because she was definitely part of the problem. And then did she bring more of the problem into the country? And now we don't want that guy here? That's the thing, dude. So much of my life, I've walked around with honestly just asking myself questions, like bad questions. Like, like I remember my entire 20s just being like every single morning I would ask, I would wake up and literally in a very, very honest way, sort of ask myself like, is the world like a bad place? And is everything kind of bad? Because I felt kind of bad. So I was like, is that feeling what it is? Like, everything's kind of bad. And I like never. And then you feel good a little bit and you try to come up with the answer and be like, no, not everything's bad. But then you're hung over and you're like, no, everything's bad. But then when, when I got sober, I managed to sort of like land in an answer and be like, no, it's okay. The world is not bad. The world is okay. You know? That's where I managed to land. And with sobriety, one of the things that came from sobriety is that I managed to hold on to answers more. Answers to the bad questions. Because it's like, even just asking the question is a very deeply unsettling thing. It's just like, <clears throat> you stand on dry ground, dry land, and you feel like things are okay, and then... When the question is, when your heart asks the question, it really can feel like everything is, there's a trap door that just opens beneath you. So I'm walking out of Mezze and the sun is shining and I'm cautiously postulating that maybe there's a positive answer to this question of like, is the world an okay place? And then as I'm approaching my car, I see this paper grocery bag on the ground and it's a bag of groceries and I look at it and I'm like there's no one around so I'm like did someone forget their motherfucking groceries and then I it's like full of boxes of cereal and then I I just as I'm walking past it I see that on the side of it it just says the word free now look I'm not poor so I'm not here trying to get free groceries sugar cereal free sugar cereal is not that's not what I'm here for you know but it's free and I don't like things to go to waste. So I just lean over without touching it or anything. As, as I'm walking past it, I just lean in and I see that there's a can. And I'm like, huh, a can. And then I lean to the side and I look, what can is that? And I recognize that it's a can of Waterloo brand sparkling water. And I'm like, oh. And I lift it up and it's grape. And here's the thing. I was going home to record a podcast and I don't have water ready to go. I have two of a lot of flavors. I have two cherry. I have two grape. I have two tangerine. I have two clementine. I have two all this different shit. But I don't have three of any flavors. So I don't have anything I can do. So I was going to take grape and cherry and mix them together in an episode and be like, I'm a retard. I don't know. I don't know how to keep those things apart, and I don't know how to not use the word, the R word, that we're not even supposed to use, you know? 
But then in this paper grocery bag on the ground, I find a can of grape-flavored Waterloo brand sparkling water, and it's a third flavor, and I'm like, maybe the world is a good place. So here it is. Zero calories, zero sugar, zero calories, and zero sugar. Naturally flavored with other natural flavors. Look out in the store for the merch that says that. Okay, so um, we're going to start with that one. And the, the can made me feel like maybe I'm part of the community, you know? F free water. Oh, that's not half bad. That is not half bad. That is not half bad. It's slightly not watery enough for me, and I don't like grape as a flavor, but... When you get me feeling the way I feel right now about a flavor I generally don't like, you get a couple of bonus points. So that's an 8 out of 10. That's an 8 out of 10, Cat Daddy. I would like to apologize for using the R word earlier. I'm just like, sometimes I don't feel good about myself and I have to call myself horrible words. <clears throat> so, yesterday I had this table. It was like this two-top that came in. And they were old. And... Two funny things happened. Two things that I appreciated. First of all, they asked a lot of questions, and I just happened to have big answers. Like, they would point to these tiny, minute ingredients in a salad and be like, what is that? What is cacahuate? And I'm like, cacahuate is like this peanut, basically invented by Japanese immigrants in Mexico that brought that basically wanted to recreate a Japanese flavor palette using Mexican ingredients. So it's this crossover product. We take habanero powder and like citrus and a little bit of pioncillo sh sugar and you caramelize peanuts in this spicy stuff. And you walk up, pe you walk peanuts. Because in Asia, sometimes you do that. You just put peanuts in a wok and you flavor them and you you roast them a little bit. People do that in different places, but it's big in Asia where you make peanuts spicy in a wok pan with some oil and sugar and stuff. And then they're called cacahuates and, and they, they add this beautiful, in this lentil salad, you, you bite down and it's like there's spicy peanut butter in bites of, of salad and it's like very surprising, but it's actually wonderful. And I had these like long complicated answers and there was no one in there and they clearly really wanted to talk to me. And so we had these long conversations about stuff and they were like, wow, are you the chef or what? Like, why do you know so much? And I felt like so flattered and it was wonderful, you know? And then <clears throat> a little bit later on that the wife who ordered the salad with the cacahuates didn't like spicy food. So I asked to just have the peanuts in a little bowl on the side instead of in the salad. And I was going to give them to the, the husband. And then he ate them. And then when I came back a little bit later, he was like, bro, those peanuts are fucking amazing. Where can I get some? And it's like, I can't sell ours because we have a limited amount of them. But I was like, 
and I, I felt bad saying this because he's like in his 60s or something. Like bringing up technology to a man in his late 60s feels rude. It feels like I'm excluding him. It feels like I want him to feel like a stranger in a strange land. But it's this weird feeling when that then doesn't happen. Because what I said was, you know, if you go on Amazon and type in cacahuate, you will probably get some of those peanuts. Like, you can probably just buy those peanuts in a bag. They're called cacahuates. And this guy takes his phone out. He's he's old. He takes his phone out. He just, like, taps the Amazon app purchasing button, you know, Amazon shopping, the app. And he just types cacahuate. And he's like, yoink. And they just go in his basket. And I'm like, and it's just this incredibly wondrous, strange, surprising feeling when you see an old person be extremely savvy with technology. Like a couple of days ago, I I had a, a really, really ancient, old, hunched over, decrepit looking man ask me for the Wi-Fi password. And they do that. And when they do, it's always like, all right, strap in. This is going to be a minute. So it's, this is the words. All the first letter is, is capitalized. The rest of the word is lowercase. There's no spaces between the words. Like just strap in. This is going to take a minute. It's going to take a couple of tries. I'm going to have everyone else doing my job because the next 15 minutes are dedicated to getting this, this old, because there's COVID. So I can't just grab his phone and do it on for him. But so a couple of days ago, this ancient man asks me for the Wi-Fi password and I tell him and he just takes his phone out and just like, I typed it in faster than I have ever used my phone. And it's the same feeling again where I'm like, wow, okay. Some of these oldies are kind of fucking well-oiled, you know? Some of these oldies got some fucking WD-40 on their fucking technology. And it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And I say that because I also had a different table today where she asked me for the, this old lady asked me for the Wi-Fi password and it did not go well. It did not go well. It was a slow process. So it's not all of them, but when it happens, it happens. But so this table yesterday, I'm actually going to, their names are John and Debbie and we really hit it off and I, and I kind of love them. Why did why did my computer just make that noise? That's probably fine. <clears throat> um, we talked for a long time because there was no one else in there and we just talked for a long time. And, and then um, he even started bringing up politics. Dude, why is the computer making a noise? Okay, I'm just going to assume it's fine. The wave of form looks good. He started bringing up politics and he said all these weird things like the one who we shall not mention in this fucking war in Ukraine wouldn't happen if the one we shall not mention was still president. And then they had this hilarious thing that's so funny where the wife kept being like, John, stop, John, stop, stop. John. Because the one we shall not mention is Donald Trump. And, um, it's honestly, it's something I've been thinking about because it is sort of this, you know, I don't think Donald Trump is a good person and I don't think he was a good president. And I think he did irreparable harm to the country and to the psyche and to the national conversation. And he, you know, we're worse off, but in form, in the foreign policy sphere, 
Foreign policy is a weird Neanderthal sphere where the truth is that there is no referee on the international stage. So it is a state of nature and each country just is a, it is just Hume's, no, not Hume's state of nature. Locke, John Locke is the philosopher who came up with the whole, or like who postulated the state of nature as a thing where everything is bad and scarcity and conflict and, you know, in a state of nature, the, the most muscular person takes power and then he can have power for a little bit and then all the weaker people will team up on the more muscular person and take over and then it's a constant state of just turmoil and someone else clawing their way to the top. And that's why we need a Leviathan-style government. <clears throat> Ooh, that, that Waterloo grape that I found on the ground today is low-key delicious. Ah. <sighs> So the the one sphere where Donald Trump made sense is where he his Neanderthal thinking fucking monkey brain came up with these super basic animalistic doctrines of how you should just beat people over the head and it just works a little bit. It just works a little bit. So I think it's a question that's been gnawing on my brain is would would we have this enormous would we be devolving into this enormous world war now if Trump was still president and it's possible that no it's possible that no we wouldn't be But it's early still, and it's hard to know what's good and what's bad, and you know, <clears throat> maybe this is the end of Putin. You know, maybe Putin is overplaying his hand. Maybe Putin is um, going to. Uh, maybe he has lost sight of things, and uh, yeah, I don't know. But so anyway, with this guy, first of all, it's funny because I complimented Donald Trump a little bit, like I just did. And that was like, I really actually, for some reason, I find it really titillating to talk to like dads who are big Republican, American dads who are like Republicans and to just sort of tell them like, look, I'm a liberal, but I'll say this and I'll and I'll throw out a couple of things of how they are right with a couple of things because they're right with a couple of things. You're brain dead if you believe everything in your basket, you know? And then it turns out that this guy used to be a lobbyist. Like, how interesting is that? And he, like, whispered it to me because he's like, I was a lobbyist for 35 years for all these different unions. And he was on every side of it. And it's like, that's fucking fascinating. And, yeah. But so we had these great interactions yesterday and... um and they, uh, it was just, it was just really nice. And we talked for a long time. And then at the end, they were like, we're going to come back tomorrow and see you again. Cause we're in town for a few days. And we just like really want to see you again. And I felt so good about that. But when people say that it's every time, however you feel about it, every time it's 50, 50, if they come back, they might just have another plan and very well, they might just be saying that they're going to come back. They might not fucking mean it, but, um, 
Yeah. Well, long story short, they came back today. And today wasn't a very good day. Because what happened is that I woke up and I felt alienated and I felt cautiously optimistic and then I came home and then I couldn't record a podcast in the afternoon. I felt so fucking angry right away at myself for not being able to communicate with people and just organize stuff and just talk out loud. And then I just sat with that anger for three hours and then I went to work and I just had so much anger in my heart still that I did a terrible job at work. At work, I just did a terrible job. Kept just making these ridiculous mistakes. Just rang things in wrong. Shit's coming out all coarse, all fucked. And like, we're just running out of food. And then everyone was making mistakes. Like, we just accidentally, we had this fried chicken special on Mondays. And like, we accidentally, the cooks just burned two thirds of everything we had. They just accidentally burned it because the deep fryers were on the wrong temperature and they just fucking blasted it all to space and charred everything. And, and suddenly as I'm taking an order and everyone, I'm selling chicken dinners to everyone. Then I go back to the kitchen and I'm like, we don't got it. We just ran out. We don't got it. And I'm like, uh, well, you told me we had six orders. I need two orders. Like, what's your problem? And they're like, yep, someone else just sold six orders. It's like, bro, these people are already pissed. Like now I have to tell them we don't have chicken and then they wouldn't have the drink they ordered. It's like, and then I fucking, they tell me to run a salad for the other servant. I fucking just deliver the salad to the wrong table and I put it down and they start eating it. It was like, fuck dude. And when you do that, you have to go back to the kitchen and just tell them the truth that you're, (sighs) that you're not a smart person and then you fucking did it wrong. And now you have to be like, I just need you to make the salad again. We lose the money. We lose the time. We're busy. Everything's fucked. It's my mistake. It shouldn't have happened. And I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. But it's what happened. I took the warm winter vegetable salad and I dropped it on table 90 and they had had a kill Caesar and they should only had no one salad and it should have gone to table 20 and table 20 is sitting there with no fucking salad and table 90 is already eating and now I have to go back and now it's delayed and everything is fucked. Okay. But I just like do this thing that I am good at doing, which is like, I even the GM of the whole hotel was just standing next to me and I just said it out loud. It was like, I just made a mistake. I just ran fucking salad to the wrong table and I just admitted to this whole thing, which is how I'm different from these noobs that make mistakes like that and try to hide it. And they make that mistake every day. And I've never made that mistake since I started working there. And I just like, apologize to Lilith Lilith that I met on the sidewalk three hours earlier I was like Lilith I need you to make the salad again she was just furious she didn't say anything she just fucking made it angry and it was fine hey Cass was that a long pause Cass wouldn't you agree though that this episode isn't full of long pauses this episode is alright right But, um, yeah, but what was funny with Debbie and John is like, (laughs) we talk about politics and Debbie just, 
I re- I asked them out loud. I was like, hey, do you guys not agree on politics? Like, what's going on here? And they do agree. They're both conservatives. They're not Republicans, but they're conservatives. But Debbie just doesn't like him talking about it in public because it's so shameful. It's shameful to talk about politics, and it's shameful to be into Donald Trump. Like, if you have some sense, you have enough sense to know that you should be embarrassed, though. Like, sure, like Trump, but just be embarrassed about it. And Debbie, at least, is embarrassed about it. <laughs> it's so funny. So for, so him and me had a long conversation about politics. We were going back and forth. And the entire duration of the conversation, she just goes, John, stop. John, 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 just stop. John, no. John, stop. <laughs> it's so funny to me. Because it's like, it's so funny. Why is she saying that? <laughs> oh, God. I think part of it is that I'm not an American, so I just, like, just play the Swedish card and just be like, look, these are not my politics because I'm from a different country. But if I had an opinion, I'd tell you that Donald Trump did pretty much everything wrong and that he's a child and a sociopath. But that works when you're arguing with Putin and when, with Xi Jinping. It just works because if you're going to talk about nuking people willy-nilly, then the Chinese are going to be deferential to you. <sighs> John, just, John, no. John, stop. John, John. <laughs> so fucking funny. He loved talking about politics. I could tell, and I love talking about politics. <clears throat> yeah. And then they came back today. And the thing is, I was fucking up so many things today. And then they came in and my facial blindness, I almost couldn't recognize them. Also, I was wearing a mask today, but not yesterday. So they almost didn't recognize me. And then I like greet them and I seat them and I, I like make it clear that I remember their names and we're cool. And then we ended up having some good, good. And it's honestly, we had some good conversations and it's honestly exactly the thing I'm saying where when I have a good conversation with someone one time, I feel like that sets me up for this thing where I have such a high expectation on always maintaining that level of human connection and it fucks me up so bad. And it, and then this was actually a time when I actually then stood there and we talked about travel and we talked about stuff and we had a big exchange where we both would tell big stories about stuff and we got back there. And we had another moment of human connection and it was successful. And then when they stood up, she gave me a hug and she called me a sweetie and we like hugged it out. And it's like, oh, Republican mom, you know, <laughs> which is funny. There's this, um, God, what's his name? Shane Willis. Shane Willis was hired on SNL and got fired after one day because after he after it was announced that he was hired, they dug up some old episode of his podcast where he said the word chink. And okay, I would like to immediately apologize for using that word because it's unnecessary. No, it's not actually that unnecessary because if I say the C word, you won't know what I'm talking about. It's just a little bit like when Joe Rogan talks about the N word, he like uses the N word. And it's like, just because you're having a conversation about the word doesn't mean you have to use the word. But, but Shane Willis, Shane Gillis used that word a bunch. And it, and it was, he said some racist things, but he was said it in jest on a podcast that no one listens to. So I forgive him officially. 
um, I think he was trying to be funny and it wasn't that funny, but it also wasn't that bad, what Shane Gillis said. Anyway, there's a 40-minute Shane Gillis special out now. Dude, my journey with Shane Gillis, honestly, is something I find very weird because, like, I remember this one time years ago. I was on YouTube and I just found this five-minute grainy footage five minutes of stand-up of some guy in a tent just doing five minutes of stand-up and he was so fucking funny to me and then i searched his name and i found another clip and it's a two-minute clip and it's just him on stage for two minutes grainy footage someone just filming him at an open mic and that's it that's everything there was on youtube and i was like dude this guy i wish this guy was famous and then like a year and a half later he's hired by snl because they just picked him off picked him up from obscurity and just hired him for SNL because they were like, this guy's funny as fuck. But then they're very woke. And he said some crazy things on a podcast. So they fired him immediately. But I was like, maybe he's still cool though. And then, so now there's a 40 minute special and I was so fucking excited and I watched it. It's fucking amazing. And the reason I bring it up is because he talks about how there's like Fox News dads and Fox News moms. And he's like, my dad is a Fox News mom, but Fox News dad. And having a Fox News dad is fine. That's a good dad. Like he's a good dad. He works hard. He like has shitty, crazy opinions and he can't string any of the facts together. He doesn't remember any of the facts, but it's fine. But Fox News mom is a bad mom. Like if you have a Fox News mom, that's a bad mom. She smokes at the house and she doesn't do a good job raising you. And I think that's so fucking funny and true (laughs) because I have some friends around here that have Fox News moms and those moms are putting the wrong lessons in the heads of those kids. And those moms are fucking shit up. Like those moms are making this place a worse place. But a Fox News dad, I have a big, I have a lot of love for Fox News dads. Like I love arguing politics with Fox News dads because they know That they're being bad. (laughs) Fuck. It's so funny to me. I don't know why I think it's so funny. I used to love talking politics with my father-in-law. Because he was like... He was like wealthy, so he would just... He literally would like personally buy politicians. And he loved the governor of Idaho... He called him Buck. And he's like, Buck is a good guy because he does what you tell him to do. (laughs) I think I've said that on the podcast before, but it's just so fucking good. It's like, yeah, so fucking at peace with a broken political system. It's like, yep, the political system is broken, but it works for me. So I can tell him what to do because I got 200 mil. (laughs) That's the sound of me throwing bills in the strip club. Oh, fucking Fox News dad. Let's do another water, my dude. Grape. So, this is going to be not watery enough because it said sparkling water beverage. This is Rayleigh's white grape. So, this is kind of cool. We're doing three grapes, but they're not all the same grape. This is white grape. The next one is Concord grape. No? Yeah, that's that's awful. That's a two out of ten. Moving on. <clears throat> um, 
I want to talk about something super abstract here at the end. Where I talked to Ingrid about this a little bit, and it's like... Yeah. It's the, the sort of mind-corrupting... The mind-corruption of... Having bad things be extremely available, not even bad, it's just overall the corruption of extreme availability. It's not, it's even things that aren't bad. When they're overly available, they can fuck you up. So one example is like weed. Like thing about weed is if weed was only something you could smoke in a bong and to smoke it, you have to like, get your bong out and maybe pour the water out and pour fresh water in there and then take the glass bowl and then put some weed in the grinder and grind the weed and then take the weed and put it in the bowl and pack it in a bowl and pack a bowl and put it in the bong and then light it and then take a massive bong rip and then you have this process you do with your hand where you prepare it and you take a massive bong rip and then you're high and you do that at the end of the day or you do that whenever but if that was the thing that's one thing and maybe if that was the only way to do it, weed wouldn't have fucked me up. But there's then it gets more and more available. Then it gets to, you can just roll one real quick. And then it gets to pre-rolls. You just buy a pack of these things that are pre-rolled. And you just light them. If you have a lighter, you can smoke it. But then it gets to the actual thing that's the fucked up thing, which is the vape pen. The vape pen is a thing you can have in your breast pocket. There's no startup cost. There's no ritual. There's nothing you do with your hand. It's just charged. There's a battery that's charged that lasts for weeks. There's a cartridge that you screw onto the battery. It lasts for weeks. And that's it. That's a completely self-sufficient, closed system. It doesn't need anything put in. It doesn't need anything taken out. It lasts forever. You have it in your breast pocket. And it doesn't... There's no smell. There's like no sound. There's nothing. So you can do it wherever. You can literally just sit at a table in a restaurant. You can stand around at work. You can go to the bathroom. You can just walk down the street. You can do whatever. You can do it in the middle of a conversation. You can do it while recording a podcast. You can do it while being on the phone. And all you're really choosing is you're already breathing in and out every couple of seconds. You're breathing in and out. And then you can just have this super, super subtle thought that, hey, I want one of my breathe, one of my inhalations here, one of my breaths in to be full of weed vapor. And there's no startup cost. You just like, you just like raise your hand to your face and it happened. And there was weed vapor in your mouth. And it's like that level of availability fucks me up. That's what fucked me up. I would always be like <clears throat> trying to not smoke weed and then I would have a, a vape pen and it's just, I would just be like, I can just hit it once. And then having thought that, you've already hit it. Like there's no opportunity to stop yourself because the availability is so absurd and your muscle memory does it even before you have had the conscious thought that you want to do it. Because the muscle memory is so quick and there's no, like you need that 60 seconds of preparation to think about if you actually want to do it. And when there's none of that, fuck, that's dangerous.
So then it's like, you take that with addiction and it's like, I can project that onto anything. And in our modern society, we're going towards extreme availability with everything, extreme accessibility. And it's like Facebook on your phone, Instagram on your phone, or for me, like the news. It's like my muscle memory of like clicking the browser and clicking the news Or in the past, I've, I have blocked it all on my phone. I have all these apps blocking it because the extreme availability fucks me up so bad. But it's like Facebook and Instagram. It's like the muscle memory of unlocking your phone and tapping that app and trying to get a micro hit of endorphins as you scroll through and see if someone liked your shit or if there's something fun or whatever like there's absolutely no if there was just this like 60 seconds of like you have to crank the machine going to see the instagram pictures if there was just that it would be so much better so what i do which is the solution is that i'm i'm on instagram and facebook but i'm all, i've blocked it like crazy on my phone and so i can only go on there on my computer and that is that 60 second thing where it's like so i do it like once every other day i open my laptop i put in my laptop password i wait for the laptop to start up i open the browser i fucking go on instagram it fucking loads slowly as fuck because my internet is slow and i go on instagram and i scroll for for a little bit and i realize having had that 30 seconds of being able to think about it i have realized that i don't want it that bad i don't actually really want it is what let's see if this is even actually recording Fifty-three minutes in, the producer, the producer has checked that we are actually recording. The crazy thing about this reflection here in the computer case on my new gaming rig is that I can actually see the camera screen filming myself. <sighs> it's too much. What was I saying, dude? Yeah. So Facebook is a big one. So. The problem is that we are, when they get you with the extreme accessibility, they make money on you. Like the, the weed people, they make money with the fucking vape pens. And the Facebook people and the Instagram people, they make money on it being on your phone. And it's bad for you. So it's like, on the one hand, all of society is arranging itself in this complicated, like, self-arranging thing of extreme accessibility. And you have to, like play karate with it and fight back and think about everything and like and and you have to keep realizing that oh i'm just doing it the way i'm told to do it and that's the most that's the worst for me that's very bad for me to do it like that so our new one here is this thing that i bought a three thousand dollar gaming pc because I used to play phone games, but the phone games, there's that addictive extreme accessibility. And I have this theory that I shouldn't disrespect myself with shitty phone games that I can play at any point and use to blanket my emotions. Instead, I should play really, really good, real, expensive 
video games and I should play them in this liminal space. Liminal meaning, God, I wish I knew what the word liminal means, but I think it applies. Liminal is something where like there's a metaphor, there's a metaphorical square. It's a space inside of which things are different. It's like something which is spaced off from the other stuff, a ritual which is somehow different than the, the non-ritual. I think that's what liminal means. God. Okay. I think I have to look it up. Do I have to look it up? I think I have to look it up. Hold on. Oh my God. Bear with me on my PC that the browser isn't open. Okay. So it has to do with boundaries and thresholds and it's, Yeah. Oh man. It's the kind of word where you can't even read the fucking definition out loud because it's too complicated. So I encourage you to go home and fucking look up the word liminal because it's a fun word, but oh, liminality. In anthropology, liminality is the quality of ambiguity or disorientation that incur that occurs in the middle stage of a rite of passage when participants no longer hold their pre-ritual status but have not yet begun the transition to the status they hold when the rite is complete. It's like, whoa. It's like the in-between space. Hmm. Relating to a transitional or initial stage of a process, occupying a position at or on both sides of a boundary or threshold. How does that apply to this? Yeah. Well, it applies in the sense that I need things to have a big liminal space where I'm allowed to think about things as I'm going into the process to decide what I want to do with it. But now I'm just stretching the definition of a word unnecessarily. But... Um, oh my God. I had to just bring the waveform back up because... I wanted to make sure nothing got unplugged when I... I don't think I've ever Googled something while recording before. Liminal. My ex-wife used the word liminal a lot in her, in her thesis. She was an art historian, talking about museumology, talking about exhibitions, comparing the National Museum in Taiwan with the National Museum in Beijing. <clears throat> Two Chinas competing for Chinaness. I'm sure she had the word liminal in the fucking title of that thesis. I'm sure she used it wrong too. I'm sure she's just successful because her dad's rich. I would like to scratch that from the record because it's mean and it's unnecessary. And she's actually a nice person. She's just in pain. She's just in a lot of pain sometimes. Oh, fuck. I actually, I think my definition of what a good person and a bad person is, is highly influenced by her. Because it's like, I think my definition is, a good person is like someone who has suffering in their heart and doesn't pass that suffering on to other people as more suffering. And a bad person is someone who like takes the suffering out of their own heart and puts it in the heart of someone else to feel better. 
And that's a fucking tailor-made definition just from one marriage. And then I'm sure my next marriage it's going to give me a new definition of what a bad person is. I think I'm just going to realize that I'm a shit person. Oh, but maybe we're just being too hard on our friend Joachim. But so, um, the point is that I, um, bought this gaming PC because it's a real process. It's like you sit in a real chair, in a real, at a real desk. You can't move the computer around. There's a room for the computer. It's a real, like, I think these rituals are real important. Like, an early one, I couldn't have written my novel if it wasn't for the ritual of lens wipes. Like, the lens wipes, I walk around in life and there's a fucking pizza slice on my lenses and I don't give a shit and I'm walking around and I hate myself and I identify with my thoughts and I'm in a state, I'm in this unenlightened state of just animalistically fucking feeling my emotions and being my emotions and identifying with my emotions and feeling bad and thinking that I am bad and thinking that I am my bad emotion. And then I would sit down and I would do a lens wipe on my glasses. And through the process of that, I would get into this state of deep work. And I would manage to because before I started doing the lens wipes, I would feel bad and I would sit down to write. And I would just be on the internet. I would just fucking read on the internet and never feel good enough to write. Because I had identified with thought. But then with the lens wipes, I realized that I, um, it was just this meditative thing where I just like became aware of myself. And just started viewing my consciousness as a space where there happens to be bad emotions, but that doesn't mean that I am those emotions. And the, the, the process of wiping my lenses clean was a process of wiping my mind clean. And I think these rituals are very important. And now I haven't tried it out yet. But I bought a fucking computer and I'm going to play computer games only on that computer. And I'm, and I have a Nintendo Switch. And here's the thing, bro. Yesterday, I had a nice shift at work. It wasn't busy, but I came home and honestly, I'm stressed out about money because I only have $149 in my bank account, in my checking account. And I have a credit card bill for like $1,500 that needs to be paid in eight days. And I just don't feel good having only $149 in my bank account. And I thought everyone else was got direct deposit and got paid. And I thought I was going to get paid and I didn't get paid. And I thought it was going to get paid at midnight because I actually thought it was a Monday, but it, yesterday it was a Sunday and I just got confused. And so I came home from work and I was stressed out about money. I'm not poor, but I've taken all my money and put it into cryptos because cryptos keep crashing. And when they crash, I put more money in and it's going well. And I think at this very moment, my cryptos are worth about 14 grand. And you might think I'm overexposed, but they're actually, they're in a state of having crashed. And when they're, when they crashed, they're at 14 grand. So maybe when they bounce back a little bit, they could be worth 20 or something nice. And the point is that I only had $149 in my checking account 
and I was stressed about money and I thought I was going to get paid. And I had all this list of things I wanted to do after work. I got home from work at 11 p.m. I want to do all these things, but I sit down and I chill and then I check my account and I don't have the money. I haven't gotten paid. And then I check at midnight when I expect to get paid. And it just, and I check, ex I'm, and I'm like, I'm stressed now. So I'm just going to wait until midnight and I'm just going to play Zelda on the Nintendo Switch. And the Nintendo Switch is the fucking weed cannabis vape cartridge of video games. Because you can take that thing and you can lay down anywhere in your house on any piece of furniture and you can turn it on and there's no startup cost. There's no startup process. You press one button and you're there. It's in your hand. It's, it can go anywhere. It, it, there's like no ritual. You just have the thought and you're already playing. So. I'm like, okay, fine. I get paid in 30 minutes. I'm just going to play Zelda for 30 minutes. And then when I get paid, I'm going to feel chill and I'm just going to stop being anxious and I'm going to do a bunch of stuff I need to do. Even though I did my taxes the night before, like I put way too much pressure on myself. Like the things I needed to do were not important, but I just always feel like I need to be doing things. So I was going to do more things, even though I was up to like, I work all the time and I moved my company this week and I worked fucking 40 hours and it's like, I stayed up till 3am doing my taxes after work on Saturday and then on Sunday I'm fucking sitting there and I'm waiting to get paid. And then I play Zelda until midnight when I'm going to get paid. And here's the thing. I didn't get paid. At 12.01, I check the account and it's not in there. And I, and I don't know how much I'm getting paid. It's the real question here. And I wanted it to be a good number because there's some money that should have been on my last paycheck that's instead is going to be on this one. And also I kind of got a raise. And for the first time, that's going to be reflected on my new check. So it's like, shit's going to be good, you know? Shit's going to be fucking kind of, you know? We're talking about bags. Like Uncle Joachim is about to get some bags, you know? Because I'm here for the bags, you know? I pretend like I go to work because I want to hang out with people, but really I go to work for the bags. You know what I mean? So at 12.01, I don't have the money and I feel anxious and I didn't fully realize it. But what happened is I just felt bad. And because I felt bad and I didn't want to face my emotions, I just kept vaping weed. And that is to say, play Zelda on the switch, on the couch, on the little screen. There's something about the littleness of the screen that I associate with disrespecting yourself. Like playing, doing entertainment on small screens, it's you're disrespecting yourself. And I also, it's also like if you're listening to music on a phone speaker, like I see people like playing music on their phone and holding their phone up to their ear and listening to music, like that's an act of disrespecting yourself. You should respect yourself and you should get some good speakers or some good expensive noise canceling headphones. And you should take care of those headphones and you should listen to good audio quality music and you should get a good screen and watch your entertainment on a good screen. And you should like respect the experience and respect yourself and don't. Yeah. So the point is that I played Zelda on the little screen until 3 a.m because I was anxious and then I had to wake up early to go pay rent and I didn't get enough sleep and I felt shitty and avoidant. And that's where I started this episode talking about that shit. 
<clears throat> and that's where I was at. I played, I, honestly, no. At 3 a.m. yesterday when I stopped playing Zelda, I didn't know why I had just played Zelda for three and a half hours. But the truth is that I was anxious about money, and I was anxious about Ukraine, and I don't know that, I don't like that there's a war, and I don't like that there's COVID, and I don't like that climate change and these things make me anxious and then i just run away from my emotions and i play zelda on the little screen because i can't not <sighs> and now it's 12 30 a.m and i'm pissed that i didn't get that recorded the episode in the afternoon but that's my fault for not communicating with people and just asking if i can i didn't ask everyone is very nice javi is very nice and his girlfriend is very nice and i didn't ask and then i just get mad that i don't get the whole house to myself even though i only pay, pay half of the rent and i ask these unreasonable things and it's like i need to just i think i just need to get a good night's sleep but oh shit i have more, one more water i almost wrapped this episode up concord grape I, I think Concord Grape is going to be a lot sweeter. Signature Select Caffeine-Free Concord Grape-Flavored Sparkling Water Beverage with Other Natural Flavors. Doesn't that just roll off the trunk? Roll off the tongue. I noticed that I had like a, a thing in my mouth in the middle of saying the word tongue, which is like, I should definitely be a word for that. When you're trying and failing to say the word tongue with your tongue. It's like it's like an onomatopoeia or a palindrome or one of those self-referential things. Yeah, that's way too sweet. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's like something that should have purple food coloring in it, but it doesn't. It's very confusing that this beverage is clear because every tentacle on my tongue is screaming out saying, wow, this purple colored beverage here that you're pouring on my tongue is sure must be purple colored because they don't know because they don't have eyes. They just have flavor uptakers. And then I look at it with my eyes and I'm like, you know what tentacles on the tongue? It's not actually purple flavored. There's some purple on the label, but there's a clear colored beverage. You know, I need to just work on, I just need to work on a gratitude list because I have so much to be grateful for. Like on Sunday, John and Debbie came in and they loved me and it was so great. And they, they weren't even the only, t I had multiple tables be like, we really like you and can you write down your name for us so we can ask for you next time? And I'm just walking around feeling like I own the place, feeling like a million bucks, feeling so good about myself. And then I walk through and Natasha, who I love to work with, I can overhear her in the room with these five dudes who brought in six bottles of wine for four or five guys. And they opened, they wanted us to open four bottles right away. And they're cellared wines that he took from a cellar that he's had in there for 20 plus years expensive wines, $500 bottles of wine. And at the end of it, I can hear them be like, Natasha, we fucking love you. We are going to come back and we will refuse to eat here unless we can be served by you. So both me and Natasha just walking around in there like, bro, this is awesome. People love us. Like, like everyone's being like, we, everyone's thinking they're, yeah, 
this is good, you know? This is good. People are having these good experiences. Not realizing that those people, if they were served by me, they'd really love me. And John and Debbie, if they were served by Natasha, they would love Natasha. <laughs> yeah. But that's not the point. The point isn't like we should love what we have. We shouldn't focus on all these negatives. I just focus on all these negatives all the time. I just need to do a gratitude exercise. I need to do that every night. Every night, I just need to make a list of three things I'm grateful for. Old school, you know? The first fucking thing they tell you in therapy. I just need to teach my mind to look for the good things because I've... The muscle in my brain of looking for bad things is so fucking strong, and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of that muscle being fucking roided out. That muscle has glutes for days, you know? And the little muscle man in my brain looking for good things, he's got these slender little shoulders. He's got these rounded shoulders, and you want to be like, hey, what's your pronoun, bro? I don't know. I think that's all I had to say, but I love you guys, and we're going to wrap up this episode now. Do your gratitude exercise. That's all I got to say about it.